Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Fight Against COVID-19, What's Really Going On, a CGTN radio podcast that brings you everything you need to know about the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm Do Hongyu. In this edition, we'll look at China's booming labor market as the latest wave of COVID infections eases. Demand for workers is increasing as many companies have seen a surge in business. Zheng Junfeng spoke with several employers who are ramping up efforts to recruit workers. Demand for workers is increasing as many companies have seen a surge in business even before the Chinese New Year holiday, resulting in the recruiting process starting earlier this year. We mainly want to recruit a group of frontline workers at appropriate age. Based on arrangements before the Chinese New Year holiday, our orders in 2023 may increase 15 times. More than 1,000 people participated in this recruitment fair, and over 600 of them have basically reached an initial agreement with their employers. Job fairs were also arranged in many other places across the country, connecting companies along the eastern coastal lines with labor forces in inland areas. Enterprises and local governments are taking measures to meet the needs of migrant workers. In Jiangsu province, chartered buses carrying 5,000 workers from Henan and Shanxi province arrived in different factories. And about 170 workers, 170 workers from inland Ningxia province took charter flights to Xiamen. Some were given a bonus to help them settle into their new city. Meanwhile, a large number of major projects have started in multiple sectors, including information technology, healthcare and construction. At the beginning of the Spring Festival, key enterprises in many provinces across the country, including Shandong, Jiangsu and Zhejiang, seized new opportunities of industrial development, increased the frequency of overseas business docking and grabbed new orders for the year. The global order volume continued to increase. A company in the eastern city of Xiamen has been kicking, uh, sticking to its post during the Spring Festival period, constantly pushing forward production schedule of orders. Recently signed orders for various products for European and American markets. That was Zheng Junfeng taking a closer look at the recent developments in China's job market. The period after Spring Festival is usually high time for recruiting new workers. For more on this, Pan Deng spoke with Li Yong, chief researcher of DNC Think Tank. It's high time for the country to uh, recruit uh, new labor forces, for example, uh, migrant workers from inland areas to coastal areas. What do you make of the momentum this year? Do you think we can see a big rebound? Yes, I think you know, we need to understand the situation in, in perspective. Uh, I call it, this is the post-Spring Festival labor shortage phenomenon. And shortage of immigrant worker supply is actually part of the annual employment cycle. And that is basically because of the suspension of production as a result of the seven-day holiday. And many migrant workers may prefer to stay uh, at home for even longer. And on the other side of the picture is that factories need to resume production. and. Uh, particularly uh, under the context of increased orders, domestic orders and uh, export orders, and they need immediate replenishment of labor to uh, catch up the deadline, uh, delayed as a result of the uh, uh, the Spring Festival holiday. So uh, I think, you know, uh, different localities has been 
using different measures to uh, attract workers, uh, you know, in different uh, sectors. And of course, uh, most uh, uh, felt ac acutely is the demand for workers uh, in industrial sectors because you know, they require more skilled worker workers to fill the position of the production. And uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, normally this is an annual event, and normally it will take about a month or two, uh, you know, the pressure will level, level off and return to normal. So uh, this, I think, is, uh, is not going to be a problem uh, for the, uh, uh, you know, for the future, or for the whole year's uh, economic social development anyway, and of course, uh, I think this is this should be uh, an issue for consideration in the context of urbanizing uh, the uh, migrant workers and adjustment uh, of the labor structure. Back to you. Uh, Mr. Lee, let me follow up on China's exports. Uh, we know globally speaking, the International Monetary Fund forecast this year to be economically much more difficult than the last. Uh, bearing that in mind, uh, do you th do you think there will be uh, Quite, uh, it will be quite challenging for China uh, in the export sector. Well, this is really a kind of a situation that we need to look at uh, looking forward. For example, uh, you know, we are still facing uh, the headwinds. Uh, for example, the slowing down of uh, consumer demand or external demand in general. And that is one of the key uh, challenges for the uh, Chinese export sector. And the other one, I think, is the uncertainty of the global economic environment, chiefly because of the geopolitical uh, tensions and uh, other uh, you know, disruptions of uh, supply chain as a result. And uh, we can also expect challenges such as volatile uh, commodity prices, uh, which I think will be a factor uh, that will affect uh, inflation, uh, commodity, uh, commodity prices particularly. And uh, there are, there's also rising protectionism. And that, all of those will pose uh, challenges for China's export sector. But at the center of the issue, I think uh, inflation is one key factor. And most of the uh, countries are struggling to uh, fight against uh, inflation. And uh, in this context, I think China has a kind of a differentiating advantage uh, in terms of uh, uh, supply chain efficiency, and particularly the cost advantage as a result of China's effective control of, the, of inflation. So in general, I think uh, China uh, is going to be an exporter of deflation. So China's export is, should be a, a deflator uh, 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 for the for the world trade and for other economies to uh, to consider. That was Chief Researcher Li Yong with the DNC think tank. Hong Kong has scrapped its requirement for those infected with COVID-19 to isolate. That requirement was the last major coronavirus restriction in the Asian financial hub, 
An Chang reports from Hong Kong. Starting today, mandatory isolation is lifted for uh, people infected with COVID-19, which means that they don't need to report their infection to the government, and they don't need to isolate at home for at least five days until they test negative for the virus anymore. Infected people with no symptoms are allowed to go back to work, while those with symptoms are encouraged to stay home. Uh, now, according to labor laws, after the first year of employment, a staff is generally entitled to four days of paid sick leave per month. But now, without the COVID isolation order that gives staff the entitlement to a paid sick leave, a doctor's note will be needed, which still may not cover all four days of the entitled uh, four days of sick leave. So then, it will be up to the employer to decide how many paid sick days that a staff can get. Now, aside from staff benefits, there's also a concern. Uh, uh, some concern about safety in different sectors are reacting differently to this policy change. Uh, the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades says most restaurants will follow government guidelines. So, if the government thinks that there is no risk, then restaurants won't impose extra safety measures for staff, especially if infected staff don't have any symptoms. And, and when to produce um, medical certificates and the issue of paid leave would then depend on each uh, restaurant's individual policy. The federation also says that this would help a little with the shortage of manpower that the industry is currently facing. As for schools, I, I spoke to a teacher at a primary school, and I was told that staff there get a discretionary three days of sick leave, but after the third day, they will need proof of a doctor's note. However, some other schools are taking extra safety precautions. Local media says that a kindergarten principal and head of a teachers group at the Chunwan and Kuaiting districts says that they will only let infected teachers return to work after their rapid tests are negative. And the same seems to be for hotels. The Federation of Hong Kong Hotel Owners uh, reportedly says that for most properties, staff will have to continue taking rapid tests daily, and those that are infected can only go back to work after producing a negative test result. Meanwhile, at elderly care homes, all staff are still required to take PCR tests every two days, as well as rapid tests every day. And staff that test positive are strongly advised by the social work department to not return to work. That was An Chang reporting from Hong Kong. Village doctors in Shanxi province are focusing on treating patients who have recovered from COVID-19 but are still suffering after effects. Guo Yan visited local clinics in Wutong Township and learned more about treatment during Spring Festival. About 30,000 villagers live in Wutong Township. During the holiday, doctors and nurses were busy treating patients who had not fully recovered from COVID. Dr. Gao Shuxia was in charge of a 76-year-old patient who had underlying diseases and repeated infections with COVID. We admitted an elderly patient who had had a stroke before. He was infected with COVID-19 and later recovered. But recently, he had diarrhea and muscle weakness. We tested him and learned that he had COVID again. Therefore, we remind our village doctors to monitor the health conditions of elderly people who have recovered from COVID and give preventive advice. Traditional Chinese medicine clinics in Wutong remained open during the festival to provide a range of rehabilitation services, including TCM consulting, acupuncture, moxibustion, and cupping therapy. Village doctor Guo Xiaohong said Chinese herbal medicine is effective in relieving lingering symptoms after the infection peak has passed. Many patients who have recovered from COVID still have different symptoms, including heart problems, insomnia, and coughing. We prepare traditional Chinese medicine to help them recover and avoid certain side effects. 
Meantime, doctors set up online chat groups for each village, sending health reminders and learning about the health conditions of villagers. Dr. Yue Weigang in Tianjiago Village offered door-to-door medical services and conducted online consultations during the Spring Festival. We divided the villagers into three groups according to their physical conditions, marking the high-risk group in red. Then I would visit different groups to measure their blood oxygen levels, ask about their diet and sleep quality, and give suggestions on drugs. As the number of COVID cases had dropped significantly, Dr. Yue and 84 other village doctors in Wutong teamed up with higher-level hospitals, learning more treatment methods to deal with different after-effects. Across China, many provinces also strengthened follow-up medical services for people who had been discharged or referred to county-level hospitals upon recovery or remission from COVID-19. That was Guoyan reporting. With that, we end this episode of the fight against COVID-19, what's really going on. Subscribe to our podcast for another episode filled with facts, stories, and opinions concerning the global battle against the novel coronavirus. For more detailed stories about the pandemic, visit radio.cgtn.com or listen to our current affairs program, The Beijing Hour, online. Drop us a line on our podcast so we can provide you with even more content that interests you. I'm Do Hongyu. Thanks for listening.